are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Turn, please, in your Bibles to Mark 11, Mark 11 and verse 22. The key to triumphant faith. Mark 11, verse 22, And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. Underscore that verse, make a note of it, that we've used it for tonight in this hour. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, a verse that you know so well, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. Hebrews chapter 11, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By faith Abel, by faith Enoch, by faith Noah, and on the story goes, by faith. A recent Reader's Digest carried the article entitled, Four Words to Live By. The article was about a man named Dr. Hans Selye, S-E-L-Y-E, the world-renowned authority on stress. He was asked for his guideline for successful living. He said, yes, I have one. It's based on 40 years of work in the laboratory. It can be condensed into four words. Shall I tell you what they are? And then after lengthy discussion, as given in the Reader's Digest in the article, and of his work in a man's need, Dr. Selgius said his four words are, here they are, quote, earn, E-A-R-N, earn thy neighbor's love. Now, the comment went on to say that perhaps you were thinking of the, of the golden rule given by our Lord, but this was his, this is what he said, earn thy neighbor's love. Now, let me give you four words that you can understand much better than the four given by Dr. Selyer. They're found here in Mark 11, verse 22, have faith in God. Now, these words came to us and come to us from the greatest teacher this world has ever known. And tonight I'm discussing the key to a triumphant faith. Now, what do I mean? I speak of a faith that stabilizes my life in the darkest hours. I speak of a faith that gives inner joy in the time of sorrow. I speak of a faith that strengthens in the day of weakness. I speak of a faith that gives me daily victory. Now, the three things I want you to see. Number one, examine your faith. Examine your faith. Now, think very carefully this evening. Is it fixed in Christ? Is Christ your Savior? Can you say, yes, I know him. I'm a child of God through faith in the Son of God. If there's a doubt about your salvation, you cannot enjoy the rest of the message, nor would it help you. This is the first essential that you examine your faith and know that Christ is your Savior by your simple faith in him. Now, when you once know that, then the rest of this follows in line. Does your faith stand fast in the crucial hours of life? Does it make you strong in hours of personal illness? Is it sufficient in the time of the death of a loved one? Does it stabilize you when you realize that your death may come at any moment? Now, these are just some questions that would come as you examine your faith. A preacher was talking to a little girl. A little girl had made a profession of faith some time before, when she was facing the matter of death, and this seemed to have been known to the child, as he was trying to ex explain it uh, to this one. 
And uh, there was a bit of fear. She didn't uh, like the thought and the talk and the conversation was not pleasant to her. And he said, would you be afraid if I'd pick you up and carry you into the next room? Oh, she said, no, sir, that wouldn't bother you at all. Well, he said, there's one who is 10,000, 10 million times stronger than I am and more loving than I am, and he'll come someday just to pick you up and take you out of this room of life that we call life and put you into the room called heaven. Would that be bad? Oh, she said, no, sir, that wouldn't be. Oh, my friend, in Jesus Christ, we have a faith that will stand with us at all hours. Again, is your faith strong enough to stand in the breaking of a long friendship? This is important because we have this to come to us. Is your faith sufficient when all material possessions are gone? When I was pastor back in Fairfield, Alabama, I recall a little German couple coming to see me uh, one night, quite late at night. They had lost everything in Depression days. In the day of the Depression in, in Birmingham, Alabama, in Fairfield, uh, banks were closed on every hand, and people lost every penny they had. My father-in-law, who's here tonight, uh, understood this because he was there with money in the banks. Banks that were closed, money was lost forever. And this little couple came to see me, a German couple. They had belonged to a church, and they came inside wringing their hands, and they said, what can we do? They said, what can we do? We've lost our home, we've lost our furnishings, lost our bank account, we lost every penny we have in the world. Now, what can we do? I said, are you saved? They didn't understand that. I said, you have one great need, and that is to put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ the Savior. And in a moment, with the word of God before them, both of them accepted Christ as Savior. Both of them came to the church on the next Sunday, walked down the aisle, and followed the Lord Jesus in believers' baptism, and became happy, wonderful Christians. But it all happened when everything was gone. Now listen, is your faith strong enough for the hour of destitution that may come upon you? Is your faith big enough when some sudden tragedy comes? And tragedy may come at any time. Now think very carefully. First of all, we must have a faith that gives peace. Peace. Now, this world cannot give it. Your faith is faulty if you don't have peace. Troubles will come. They come fast. They come to all of us. But in him there is peace, and he can give us the peace that passes all understanding. We must have faith that gives us peace again. We must have faith that stirs us to progress and moves us out, and we mustn't stop. And if we have faith in God, then this faith, this true faith, will move us on and will keep us from being dead and lifeless and inert in our Christian activity, but working always. True faith moves forward always. And if you have faith in God, there's something God wants you to do. There's something that you can do for the glory of God. And you can move out. I read about the two little boys. I think you saw this the other day. He came into a train, and they walked in and uh, walked through the train and set out a certain coach, just the two of them, and then no sooner got settled and the porter came in and he said, boys, you have to move to the next car. And they said, no, sir, we're not going to. We like this car. We're going to sit here. And he kept on insisting and said, well, you'll have to move to the next one. They said, no, sir, we're going to stay here. Is there any reason why we can't? He said, no reason at all except this car is not going anywhere. It's not hooked on. And if you want to sit here, you can, but you're not going anywhere. I'm afraid that some people are not hooked on, not hooked on to the Lord. Huh? They have no faith in God, no faith in God that moves them out to move forward and to do what God says. The Lord Jesus said, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a graft. So we must have the faith in God which enables us to move out and to lay hold upon the things that God has for us. Again, we must have faith that moves us to obedience. If God is calling you, if God has spoken to you, then do what God says. I just came out of uh, Orlando on last Monday and Tuesday, on, on, on Monday night. We had to come into the service. A man who was formerly here in Tennessee Temple School. As I recall, he came to school when he was around 65 years of age. And he stayed with us for a year more than a year. Very gracious man, a dentist. 
And uh, then he uh, went back home because of illness, and has had a very serious illness that kept him confined to his bed for a long time. He's up and going now, back to his shop again, in doing his dental work and going right on. But he had faith. He said, this is what God said to me to do, and I came to Tennessee Temple because I felt this is what God had for me. And he said it was. He said, praise God. He said, now, since I've had my illness and I've had some, um, probably some problems of different kinds, I don't recall everything I said back in Tennessee Temple, but I do recall all that God gave me as I listened to his voice and as he strengthened my faith by simply obeying him. Now, wait a minute. Your faith must move you to obedience. If you have faith in God, then move out to do the thing that God wants you to do. In Acts chapter 13, the Lord spoke to the church in Antioch. And Barnabas and Saul were selected to come out as missionaries, the first ones to be sent out by a church, the two strongest men they had, but they sent them out. Faith, that moves us out in obedience to God, and we must not fail. Now, first of all, examine your faith. Examine your faith. Think about it tonight. What is it? What's it doing? Where are you going with your faith? Now, the second thought is this. Establish your faith. Establish your faith. It must be strong, firm, and immovable. Your faith. It must rest upon the word of God. Here's your Bible again. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you rest upon God's word. Read the Bible, believe the Bible, and rest upon the word of God. If God says it, it may be hard to understand. It may be hard for your human mind to receive it all. But rest upon it. And say, Lord, open my, my understanding that I may lay hold upon what you have for me. But it must rest on the word of God. Then, secondly, daily look to God in prayer. Pray in faith believing. And Jesus looking upon them saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Mark eleven twenty seven. And look to God in prayer, in faith believing. Now establish your faith. You cannot pray, I mean earnestly pray, without having the strengthening of your faith. First of all, the word of God. And second of all, your prayer life. The Bible never, that never changes. If there's no variation, but your prayer life may. But when you base your prayer life upon your Bible reading, then the two of them go together. That's the reason George Mueller always prayed with his Bible down before him. That's the reason great Bible Christians have done this down through the years. They read the Bible first, get the Bible firm in their minds, and then with their finger upon the promise of God, they say, Lord, this is your promise. I'm depending upon this promise now to lead me through and to do the thing that needs to be done. Look to God in prayer. Number three. Often review God's working with you. How good the Lord has been to us. We all must testify to that. Think over what God has done for you. Answered prayer. You'd have to say it tonight, wouldn't you? He's answered for He supplied your needs thus far in life. Yes, He has. And has given you the peace that you need day by day. And to review God's working with you. Think of this great chapter in Hebrews 11. Has the Spirit of God reviewed what he had done with all of the others by faith, by faith, and on down the line? All of these men, Abraham, Noah, all of them, and resting in God's promises and moving out to do what God said. Now establish your faith. Establish it by, by the Word. Establish it by prayer. Establish by reviewing the workings of God. Then establish your faith by faithful worship. Back to a theme that I, I, I touch again and again. I have to. I have to because of the experience of life, of watching people, and of observing families, and seeing the, the faithfulness of some families, and the stalwartness of certain ones who, who come to the house of God faithfully Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, whenever the doors are open, they're here. Now, some people do nothing at all to keep their faith strong. They expect their faith to be strong just by a little diet of nothing. 
Just by a little bit of the frivolous touch of the world, it doesn't come that way. It comes by the steady diet of the Word of God and the house of God and worship in God's house with the solid things that will establish you. Some of you wonder about some things. You wonder why we have certain music in the church. There's a reason why. Our music is solid, steadfast, built on the Word of God. We don't make any changes. You listen to it tonight. That's right. We don't, oh, you say, why don't you sing so? Well, we don't sing so and so because we've discovered a lot of this music of the present day and time doesn't establish people. It simply stirs the feet. Stirs a little action for a while. Stirs the emotions for a bit. But we like the solid things that will establish you and will keep you going. Now, establish your faith by faithful worship. And did you know that even sickness keeping you from the house of God will cause you to suffer? When I was sick last year, and out of this pulpit for over a month's time, my dear friends, I did everything I could. I read my Bible. I outlined the full book of the Acts. I still have the outline. Every single chapter. I made sermon outlines in every, book, every chapter in the book of the Acts. I read other portions of the Word. I did all. I listened to the radio. I listened to the preachers you had here when I was away. Dr. Faulkner, Dr. Robinson, all of the others. I listened to them. But at the same time, I felt something was missing and I was not getting what I should have had. And all the time I was saying, oh God, there's more, there's more. Now wait a minute. Some people cannot come to church because of the illness of body. They cannot. They're shut-in folks. And I mean real shut-ins, not imaginary kind. There's some folks that imagine they're shut-in and stay away from God's house. I'm talking about the folks who can't come because of illness, because of some physical difficulty. But now wait a minute. Even they suffer. And we need the worship in the house of God. And this establishes us in day-by-day living. And our faith is made strong. Now don't kill your faith. Don't kill it. Don't kill your faith by neglect of the Word of God. But hold this book close to your heart and read it daily and peruse its pages and saturate the, the life in the Word of God. Don't neglect the Word. Secondly, don't kill your faith by foolish pride. They crossed over into the land of Palestine, the children of Israel. They began marching around Jericho. God gave a phenomenal, unusual victory. Ah, didn't have to fire a gun. Didn't have to throw any rocks. Didn't do anything but march and shout. And the walls fell down. And I stood on the old ruins of the walls of Jericho some time ago. They say this is where it was. This is where it took place. All of it. Then what happened? The children of Israel, they said, oh, this is great business. This is fun. You don't have to do a thing but just march around the walls. You got it. That's all. So a little town up the, up north of them was called Ai. And they said, let's take the little place up there. And they, they said, don't send all of them up there. That's too much. Why make the fellows walk up that whole distance? Why make them energize themselves by walking up the hills and, and the valleys and going up that little place? Anybody can take that. So they sent up just a few. And they got up there and they were defeated. Thirty-six men were killed. Wait a minute. They had been trusting in their pride. And watch your foolish pride. And my friend, this will kill your faith when you rest in yourself and trust upon what you can do. And again, don't kill your faith by doing nothing. Some people expect their faith to abound in the cold and to accomplish much when they're doing nothing at all for God. Don't expect your faith to grow and to be established when you're not exercising that faith and using that faith for the glory of God. Now, there are three things I want you to see in the message. First, examine your faith. Secondly, establish your faith. And number three, exercise your faith. In other words, use your faith. The faith that you have. How often Jesus told men to exercise their faith. In Luke chapter 9, verses 27 to 43, we have the Sermon on the Mount of Thor, I mean, the, excuse me, the Mount of Transfiguration, the Lord on the Mount, 
And then coming down from the mount with his disciples, and the disciples were there, and uh, they had failed to heal the boy. And uh, they came to Jesus, and Jesus said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how, how often he reproved them for the lack of faith. And this was one of the occasions when they had not exercised the faith yet. They believed in Jesus Christ. They rested to him. They knew what he was. They had professed their faith in him. They were followers of his. But somehow they were not using it. Oh, faithless and perverse generation. They failed. And we fail often. In that we're not exercising what we have. God has spoken to your heart in days gone by. And you have faith in God. You have faith in Christ. You have faith in the promises of God in his word. And yet you're not using it all. And you're failing in this. You're not exercising the faith that you have. Simon Peter was told by the Lord, if you want to walk on the water, come on. And he called out of the boat, man, walking on the water. He had faith, had faith to do it. He had faith that he could walk out and step on the water. But when he got out, he saw the winds and the waves boisterous, and then began to sink. His eyes turned away from the master. There came the disaster, which almost uh, led to the end of it, except for his cry, Lord, save me. And the Lord reached out and saved him and pulled him back to safety. Wait a minute, my friend. Use the faith that God has given you and rest upon the faith that you have in God. And uh, daily think of your faith and think of Jesus saying, have faith in God. And I do have that faith and I'm exercising my faith now to rest upon Him and upon His promises for my life day by day. The little lady was riding in a boat, one of the ships that used to run from, from Buffalo to Cleveland across the lake. As she was going, the boat was struck by a storm and the winds were blowing severely on the lake and the folks were frightened. They were screaming and crying and some were praying. This little lady was just sitting there quietly. And she was smiling as she sat there in a the chair and said, it's all right, I'm not worried at all. And when they got near to the other side and the safety, when the storm had subsided, and they said to her, said, ma'am, how is it that you could sit there and not worry and could smile while the storm was going on? We thought the boat was going down and we lose our lives and you didn't seem to be worried at all about it. How could you do that? She said, very simple. She said, I have a daughter who passed on. She's in heaven. I have another, another daughter in Cleveland and said that when the storm came, winds were blowing and the ship was in danger and you were, you were crying and some of you praying, she said, I was sitting here trying to figure out which way I wanted to go. Said, if I go up, I see my daughter who's in heaven. If I go to the other side, I see my daughter in Cleveland and it's all right. Either, I said, I'd like to see either one of them. Wouldn't bother me at all. Wait a minute. The child of God should have such faith and such exercise of your faith that you're resting upon him day by day. Exercising the faith of, that God has given you. Now think of faith. Watch it now. Faith cannot be exhausted. The supply is unlimited. Elijah found us on Mount Carmel. When he stood to pray and prayed the brief prayer of some 50 odd English words as we have it in our Bibles. And God sent down the fire from heaven. God answered prayer. He had faith in God and believed God. Oh, he ran a little later because his faith got weak. Jezebel scared him half to death. And he was gone. He's not the last preacher to run from a woman. Scared to death. His faith was weak. But wait a minute. It was, it was without any limit at all. And there it was. The same faith that called down the fire. The same faith that do mighty things. They did more things after that too. Listen, my friend. Faith cannot be exhausted. Elisha was a man of God. What miracles performed by Elisha? Elisha, the follower and successor of Elijah. And Elijah with his great success in doing many mighty things. But his faith was unlimited. Unlimited faith. Looking up toward God. I know you don't understand some of it. You read some of the miracles and some of the things happen. You say, well, I don't get that at all. 
when the children laughed at him, told him, old bald head, and he didn't like that a bit. A lot of them died because of it too. I know you don't get it, but you just let the Bible say what it wants to say. Amen? You let the Bible speak. That's all of it. And you don't get it. Don't understand. I don't understand a lot of it. But I say this is it. Elisha's uh, a man of faith. And Elisha died. The Bible gives the story of Second Kings chapter 13. They put him in the tomb. And then came along some of the Israelites, apparently Israelites. And here came the Moabites. And they were in a, in a battle or fighting one another. And the Israelites were going to bury a man. And here came the enemy. So they didn't know what to do. They took the body of the man they were buried and threw it in the tomb with Elisha. And when they threw the body in the tomb and touched the body of old dead Elisha, the fellow revived, stood to his feet, and came walking out of there. Boy, that's faith, isn't it, huh? That's faith, my, my. And here's the man of faith, Elisha. I'm just giving you a good picture tonight of what God can do and what mighty things when we trust in Him. And this one came out to walk. Now faith cannot be exhausted again. Faith laughs at impossibilities. Israel marching around the walls of Jericho. They marched, no battering rams, no high-powered guns, just faith and obedience, that's all. And God answered their prayers and their lives. Faith laughs to the impossible. Again, faith gives courage and confidence and peace. In this faithless, materialistic day, faith will give peace. You'll never get it any other place. It doesn't come from the government. All the governmental trials and troubles. Not being Mr. Kissinger. Not being the president. Not there. It'll not be in the energy business. You'll have troubles there. National uncertainty. All of that will come. But in Him there is peace and there's confidence and courage for your life. It'll come by your faith in God and the resting holy and completely upon Him. Now what can we say about all that I've given you this evening? Listen so carefully. My faith must rest upon His eternal infallible Word, not on the promises of man. I played the fool for such a long time and God had to show me what I was doing was wrong. I had my bill full full. I got the full of things now that don't amount to very much, but uh, I, I carry long scraps of paper. Every time I lend somebody some money and say, would you pay, pay me back in two weeks or three weeks or four weeks, I'd go down the time and say, write on a piece of paper and sign your name. I had this thing full of them. I mean, it was just full. Every time I take a bill out to, to, to pay for some little uh, meal or something that I had, I'd come in contact with all of these. Every time I look at it, my faith was shattered. Every time I say that fellow promised to pay me in three weeks, hadn't paid me a nickel. That fellow promised to pay in two months, hadn't, why well, it's been two years, hadn't paid a penny. I finally took the things all out there and just tore them up and threw them away. I don't carry one now. If I lend money to somebody from my pocket, it's all right. I forget about it until it pays it back. When it pays it back, I'm so happy to see it. And most of the time, I've forgotten to even borrow it from me. And that's better still. I think I got money from, from nowhere at all. But it's wonderful. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. My faith must rest upon God's eternal infallible word. Man will fail, but God never fails. And trust in God again. My faith must look to the future. The days aren't enough. Anticipation of brighter tomorrows. Brighter tomorrows. Here's the lady. I can name her, I shall not, she's past 80, up in her 80s, well in 80. Her body's weak, her family's gone, she's all alone. Doesn't have a soul, no close relatives, all of them are gone, every one of them. Body is weak, what can she do? She can look to the future. She can't work, she can't move, can't get out of a room, can't get out of a house. She can't do a thing, but she can look to the future. She can think of the prospect of being within. She can think of the prospect of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the day when she'll see him, and they shall be in his presence forevermore. She can rejoice in that fact and say, it's all right. God is with me. 
And though I'm in a place of life where I cannot do anything, I cannot work outside, I cannot serve humanity now because of illness and weakness, I can be with him one day and the promise of being with him. Oh, look to the future, Christian friend. And young people look to the future also. Then finally, my faith must abide strong in the midnight hours. There's some dark hours. Somebody said the darkest hours after three in the morning. I don't know. But there's some dark ones. I think it's next Sunday night. You're going to see a picture in this auditorium at 645 of a Japanese girl. She doesn't speak a word of English. She'll be here next Sunday night, the Lord willing. I think it's next Sunday. I'll give a, you'll see the announcement a little later. Body torn to pieces by train. Lost much of her body. Just torn all the pieces. And yet she's up and going now. She got saved because of that. One of our missionaries led her to the Savior. One of our missionaries out of Tennessee Temple, out of this church, got saved. They made a picture of her life now. It's a 30-minute film that you'll see next Sunday. It's going to be here. And she's to be here also. She's coming too. And will be in this place according to the promise given to me. Now, wait a minute. There had to be faith, faith, faith. And when she was coming out of this thing with all the body torn to pieces and then Christ came into a hard shed to trust in him and to say, Lord, thou canst lead me. And out of all of this has come a life of usefulness for the glory of God. As she's traveling around the world now giving her testimony of Christ the Savior. Elijah's faith on Mount Carmel. Daniel's faith in the den of lions. Paul's faith in the Roman prison. As he said, rejoice in the Lord. And again I say, rejoice. Oh, my friend, tonight, listen, let your faith rest upon the eternal word of God. And let your faith look to the future, to the coming of our blessed Savior. Let your faith abide strong in the midnight hours and say, Lord, I was made for this. I was made for this time. This is a time of blessing for me, and I praise God for it. Oh, faith, the key to a triumphant faith, and you're resting upon the word of God, the promises of God, for your life today and tomorrow and forever. I finished the service up in Aurora, Illinois. A little lady came up to me, and she said, may I say just a word to you? And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I want to tell you about my son. She said, I'm a Christian lady. And said, I had a boy. He's now, would be 25 and said, I loved him so much. But he said, he wasn't saved. I witnessed to him. I read from the word of God to him, but I failed. And said, I tried. I kept on praying. Then one night when he was in his 25th year, he was coming home in his car and had a wreck. And was almost killed. They put him in the hospital. And she said he was in the hospital quite ill, quite sick, quite injured, and at the point of death most of the time. And said, I'd go to see him always. And every time I could talk at all, I tried to persuade him to look to Jesus and have faith in Christ the Savior, but said somehow I didn't get it over. I failed all of the time and said I was unhappy because of my failure and I kept it up. And then she said one day I walked in the hospital room in Aurora and she said I stepped in the room. He shouted at me. He said, Mama, come here. Come here. She said he had a book in his hand. Now I walked over to the bed and when I stepped over the bed, she said I recognized it was a Bible. It was the Gideon Bible placed on the side, uh, side of the bed by the Gideons. And he said, I saw the book in his hand. He said, Mama, listen to this. Listen to this. And he had his finger upon the Bible and was reading, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He said, Mama, did you ever hear anything as blessed as that in all of your life? She said, Brother Robertson, I told my boy that a thousand times, but somehow he never heard me. But now with the Bible before him, with his body injured from the wreck, he had his finger upon the verse and read it for himself. He said, Mama, I've done what that verse said. I've accepted Jesus as my Savior, and he's mine. She said, I was so happy. She said, I wanted to shout over that hospital. 
It was wonderful to hear my boy say that he was saved and saved by reading John 3.16, the verse that I gave to him as a baby. And his dear little mother bowed her head. The tears were falling. And she said, Brother Robertson, my boy died three days after that. But she said, praise God, I'm going to see him in heaven. He was saved. I'll see him in heaven. The key to a triumphant faith rests upon the promises of God. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.